1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 to 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so I'm joined by the one and only, the driving, the hidden driving force of our daily rhythm, Will Kynes, uh, remotely from Birmingham. So, Will, um, excited to dig into 1 Corinthians 6 with you. And um, we're continuing, you know, uh, Paul is addressing problems within the church. And one here is uh, that he's really digging into more and more is sexual immorality. He uses this phrase, all things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful uh, or sorry. He uses the phrase, all things are lawful for me a couple times mm-hmm. as a, sort of like a motif. So what do, what do you make of that? What do you make of this passage as a whole? Yeah. So when you're reading this in the ESV, that's in quotation marks, all things are mm-hmm. lawful for me. And then verse 13 again is in quotation marks. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. So it appears that Paul is engaging either with kind of these general phrases that were used at the time, you know, these kind mm-hmm. of like idioms or justifications that people will use, or maybe even we know that um, in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, we see that he's responding to a letter that the Corinthians have written to him where they've asked him a bunch of questions about different things. So th- these could be things that they said to him in that letter. Uh, but hmm. Paul is challenging Uh, This idea that just because things are lawful, you can or should do them. I mean, that's true today, right? There are a lot of things that are legal that are Mm -hmm. not necessarily moral, right? Things that we, um, just because we can get away with them without getting arrested doesn't mean that we should do them. I mean, things like greed, for example, it's not illegal to be greedy. Uh, Some would argue Mm. that our whole economy is based upon uh, greed, Uh, but it doesn't mean it's helpful to be greedy, right? And our material Mm. greed could actually dominate us, which is what he says there at the end of verse 12. Uh, And that's actually a big theme that comes up several times in this chapter and the next is this idea of being enslaved by things, dominated by things, not being free. Uh, And so here Paul is connecting that to um, our sexual desires, right? Uh, hmm. And how those can be enslaving to us. What, what's your take on the passage? Yeah, you know, uh, one of the, I think, overarching themes of 1 Corinthians is he's, obviously he's really trying to re- 
to correct and reorient their view, their you know fundamental view of like what the church is and how the church should act. And one of the things he's kind of attacking is this practice of essentially treating um, the church as a sort of social club. And what he's really pushing here is that it's not like a club of like-minded people where you all subscribe to Paul or to Apollos or whatever. It is being possessed by Christ. It is being joined and unified with Christ. And so, you know, therefore we can't really compartmentalize like our religious life, our spiritual life apart from our sexual life or our business life. Like it is all joined with Christ. And so everything that we do in our life, you know, it's what we do sexually involves Christ because we are holistically bound to him and what we do, you know, when we sue other people or, you know, these different topics that he's addressing, we are bringing Christ into it because, uh, we've, you know, joined his kingdom. Yeah. And I like the way that you put that because what Paul does here, which he does so well is looks at what the deeper underlying theological issue is here right yeah. it's not this is not just mm-hmm. morality for morality's sake this is yeah. about how we represent christ and how god has created us as human beings uh and mm-hmm. so he gets in verse 16 right um where he says for as it is written the two will become one flesh right there's a way in which god has created us he's created our sexuality be, to be used in a particular way and those purposes can be frustrated if we fall into this kind of immoral behavior. But it's more than that even, because as you said, the way we behave reflects Christ. So verse 19, mm-hmm. or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. The price of Christ's blood is what enables you to have this restored life. So therefore, glorify God in your body. So there's so much riding on these decisions. The way we act, the way we use our bodies, um, they're an opportunity to respond to God's grace and then to glorify God. Yeah, and you know, he. I think there's an interesting phrase in here. The sexually immoral person sins against his own body. You know, he, he wrongs his own body. And a secular critique of this passage would be that, you know, this biblical sexual ethic is basically asceticism. Like it's depriving yourself um, for the sake of, you know, glorifying God. But what's actually presented in the Bible, he's not telling you to deprive yourself and harm your own desires for the sake of religious obedience. He's reframing what is actually Mm -hmm. good for us and saying, you know, pursuing these desires and fulfilling them, actually it's harming yourself and your own, the body that you've been entrusted. And and so, you know, faith doesn't just like give you a new moral code that you have to like cram into, but it actually, you know, changes how we view issues and topics like these. Yeah. And Christians believe that God's commands to us are not just arbitrary commands. This is not things that he tells us to do just because he wants us to behave in a certain way. They're given to us because he wants us to flourish as humans. He's the God who has created us in the world that we inhabit. And so if we Mm -hmm. obey his commands, we will 
experience the blessing of living life according to the grain, as some people will say it, right? It's just like, you know, when parents say things to kids, you know, don't run into the street. It's not just because they have something against kids being on asphalt or something like that. It's Mm -hmm. because running Mm -hmm. in the street, you risk death, right? So there's a purpose behind it. But the kid, you know, a two or three-year-old, they might not understand that. And they may just see the parent as this, you know, bossy, restrictive power in their lives that they want to rebel against. But in rebelling against them, they're just endangering themselves. I think this passage is like that. And, you know, and we can, it wouldn't be hard to see how what you just mentioned in verse 18 against, uh, you know, this sinning against your own body, the effects that walking outside mm-hmm. of God's plan have on people's bodies, on their psyches, right? Just the damage that people are doing to themselves when they don't treat uh, God's good gift of sex in the way that God had intended for it to be used. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a great word um, from 1 Corinthians 6. And, you know, may we be shaped by this and, and, you know, to the degree that our desires would be aligned with the Lord's. So for Will Kynes, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant. And Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.